Hello, fellow podcasts and podcast listeners. My name is Jacob Lee, and today we're going to be talking about more about the market. Uh, the market keeps getting more interesting every single day, and some of these news articles should catch our attention, but you know, sometimes not everything can get covered. There are things that we will talk about that are being talked about in the news currently, just because it's important to talk about them. But before we get into today's video, I have to advise that I am not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. I cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. You need to talk to your own professional advisor about your financial situation before making investing decisions. This whole podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And with that being said, uh, also some of the securities I might talk about, I might have investments in currently as well. And I'm, I'm not here to give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. But with that, let's begin with today's uh, news articles that caught my attention. First, we got to start with uh, ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil, according uh, to today's news articles, ExxonMobil may completely withdraw from Russia by June 24th. In London today, ExxonMobil is considering a complete withdrawal from Russia by June 24th. Two sources familiar with the plans told Reuters on Thursday following the U.S. Um, major oil earlier decision to exit all operations in the country. ExxonMobil has not provided a timeable for the withdrawal, but last month removed employees who are U.S. citizens from Russia after Moscow launched what is called its special military operations in Ukraine. The first departures included staff from its large oil and gas production operations on, uh, I think it's pronounced Sakhalin Island in Russia's Far East, including the Sakhalin 1 project. As we announced March 1st, we are discontinuing operations and taking steps to exit, uh, Exxon spokesman Casey Norton said in a written statement. Exxon last year employed more than 1,000 people across Russia with offices in Moscow, St. Petersburg, uh, Yekaterinburg, and Uzon. I don't even know how to say the last one. But they pretty much had people in these locations. Exxon has had significantly phased down its chemical and lubricant business in Russia and limited sales to existing con uh, contractual commitments and essential products used in applications such as food um, preservation, agriculture, and hygiene, the spokesman person said. The company said it's complying with all sanctions imposed against Russia. Its deliberations come after dozens of other Western companies from Apple and Boeing to BP, Shell, halted business or announced plans to abandon their Russian operations. Now, that's going to be very interesting with ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil is a world, it's all around the world with, with their drilling projects. And I was curious to know how this would truly affect ExxonMobil when I came across this article from about a month ago. Because um, we got to know what's going to happen to Exxon stock potentially. Um, from April 4th, Exxon sees up to $4 billion write-down on Russian departure. ExxonMobil Corp. expects to take a write-down as much as $4 billion on the Sakhalin oil development in Russia as the company attempts to exit the operation following the, in the invasion of the Ukraine. So Exxon's going to lose money, obviously. But at the same time, they're probably going to get, like we just read, they're going to get a $4 billion write-down from this loss, which I believe, which means they won't be able to have to pay $4 billion in taxes this year, potentially due to the fact that they're pulling out. 
What's also interesting too about this site that they have been drilling in Russia, it's producing about 227,000 barrels a day last year for Exxon. And it says in the article too that they've been there since 2005 and that during the year they had two icebreakers to maintain the exports during the winter. Um, but then they stay in this article that over time Russia's become less important within Exxon's global portfolio. ExxonMobil should be fine in this situation, it sounds like. But you know, at the same time, it's it's interesting that Exxon can lose one of their sites and still be able to produce the oil that's needed for them to make profits. It says here later in the article, the oil giant said in a separate statement Monday that it made the final investment decision on 10 billion yellowtail development off the coast of Ghana after receiving government and regulator approvals. The project is the fourth and largest in the area known as the Straybrook block and is expected to jump about 250,000 barrels a day starting in 2025. ExxonMobil has plans on plans. I'm expecting Exxon to continue to make money potentially, but it's still interesting that they're able to pull out of Russia and potentially still remain strong in their portfolio. I mean, you lose 227,000 227,000 barrels in Russia, but then they pretty much get 250,000 barrels of Agania. So, I mean, Exxon should be an interesting company to look into. I know there's like an anti-oil revolution because everyone wants green new energy, but Exxon does have a few green energies. I mean, they're trying to use plankton as energy, but we still live in a world where oil is still being run with everything. So... For those of you who are potentially looking into getting into oil, maybe Exxon's the choice you want to get into. I mean, they're they're not going to be slowing down production, luckily. I mean, they're only losing a few areas in Russia for drilling, most likely. But at the end of the day, they, they're going to do what they can to make money, and they're going to make Russia feel the pain a little bit. So I'd keep an eye on them for Exxon, because at least during this article... Exxon was sitting at $83.07. Obviously, could be a little different today because today is April 21st. But it's still something to look into to see how Exxon's going to uh, keep producing, even with pulling out of Russia. Now, some other interesting news that we need to talk about. Um, Apple, an Apple store in Atlanta, has filed for the company's first union election. 70% of workers at the Apple store in Atlanta want to join the CWA. An Apple retail store in Atlanta has filed for a union election with the National Labor's Relations Board, or other known as the NLRB. The workers at the Cumberland Mall store, which includes salespeople, technicians, creatives, and operations specialists, would be represented by the Communications Worker of America, the CWA, More than 70% of the group of about 100 eligible workers signed the union authorization card, according to the news release. The minimum required is 30%. If a majority of the workers vote to unionize, the store would be the first unionized Apple store in the U.S. Their petition now goes for formal review by the NLRB. Apple is a profoundly positive place to work, but we know that the company can better live up to their ideals and we are excited to be joining together with our coworkers to bring Apple to the negotiating table and make this an even better place to work, uh, said Derek, an Apple genius worker at the store. 
said in a statement Wednesday. A report from The Verge last year uh, detailed the difficulties many, uh, many hourly Apple employees face, including low wages and high-stress workplace. In February, the company increased benefits for its full and part-time retail workers. The Atlanta workers said while, the, while they provide critical sales and services to the company, Apple doesn't provide cost-of-living raises or access to equitable stock options. We work hard at Apple because we really, we really believe in the products and the company, and we want to make sure that every Apple worker is able to afford quality housing, basic living expenses, said uh, Ellie Daniels, a product zone worker at Apple. Workers at other Apple stores are also involved in union drives, but not all are working with the CWA. Retail Apple workers at the Grand Central Terminal Store in New York City announced that they were collecting signatures to form a union after voting in February to affiliate with Workers United. That's the same group working with Starbucks stores across the country on union unionization efforts. Known as Fruit Stands Workers United and Grand Central Workers are demanding a $30 per hour minimum wage and other improvements to their reimbursement and benefits. $30 an hour, jeez. The workers are part of a large movement among retail employees who felt exploited during the pandemic by corporations and saw huge financial windfalls. A group of workers at a Amazon warehouse in Staten Island voted earlier this month to become the first to unionize as part of the newly formed Amazon Labor Union. And workers for Google Fiber contractor in Missouri voted last month to form a first ever union parent company, Apple. They will be part of the Apple's workers union, also affiliated with the CWA. Apple didn't immediately reply to request for comment on Wednesday. It's interesting that these unions are starting to pop up a little bit more. I mean, some companies like don't want unions to form. And the fact that Apple hasn't made any comments about this right now means they're probably discussing to figure out what they need to do. Uh, what's also interesting to point to, like I, I looked up to figure out what were some of the benefits of unions for companies and the only best I could find was trade unions, obviously. And it says trade, trade unions maintain and improve workers' terms and conditions through bargaining with employees. Workers organized in trade unions benefit from higher wages, the so-called union wage premium. Union bargaining also results in a fringe benefit premium for covered workers. Trade unions reduce wages and in, inequality. <clears throat> I don't think there's inequality at Apple. I think Apple, I think, I, I don't know Apple fully, but I don't believe they have that issue. But we do know, and we actually have the numbers to prove this right now. Apple currently does have about $202 billion of cash on hand, which they don't know what to do. In fact, from an article based from Investors Business Daily, Back in February, now obviously these numbers have changed probably because Apple is still a growing company in a way, but it says here, Apple's 202.6 billion cash problem. Apple has a cash problem. It's just the opposite of most. Apple has too much cash. The technology company has cash and investments of 202.6 billion. That's a staggering amount, totaling 7% of the holdings of all the S&P 500 companies. To its credit, Apple is trying to dispense of its cash using both dividends and buybacks, but it can't get rid of the money fast enough. Last year, Apple spent roughly $81 billion buying back its stock, which Buffett applauded in his letter, but that's just a drop in a rapidly filling bucket. Apple's amount of cash on hand actually rose by nearly 4% in 2021 from 2022. Additionally, the company's yield is just 0.6% for its dividend. 
Apple is the most extreme of cash surplus, but it's far from alone in the S&P 500. We also just mentioned Google in the article, and Apple ha- uh, not Apple. Alphabet has about $169.2 billion in cash in hand. Obviously, they don't pay a dividend. But it's interesting to see how these unions are forming with these big companies. I mean, Apple obviously can probably weather the storm with how much money they're making, but like other companies might not be able to handle the union side as well. I mean, even Amazon, Amazon has $86.2 billion of cash and now there's unions forming there. I mean, it's going to get interesting to see how these unions potentially change the workforce and the tech sector. I don't think tech has had many unions formed, at least to my knowledge. I mean, I might have to look into it. If someone does have more knowledge on this, please comment obviously below and let me know if there have been unions that I am missing on the tech sector. But it's still interesting that because these companies have this much cash, I mean, it's it's going to be just interesting in general to see how these unions change things, in, at least in potentially in the retail sector. I mean, I don't expect Silicon Valley to change that much. I mean, those people make a ton of money. But at the same time, one of the, I mean, Apple, for instance, they import their stuff from China. They have it made in China. So it's, in a way, Apple's going to keep making cash on hand, even if they unionize in one store. I mean, it could grow like rapid fire, and then that could change things for the stock of Apple. But as of right now, Apple percentage of cash held is 7.6% in the S&P 500. That's the number one in the S&P 500. Alphabet's pretty close with 6.3%. But it's still interesting to see how these unions are starting to form. And I'm curious to know how these unions are going to affect stocks. So something to keep an eye on, at least for Apple during this time. Last thing we need to talk about, because I believe this is big, big news. And I firmly believe if you are a Twitter investor, you really need to pay attention to this. So yesterday in the podcast, we talked about how uh, Musk was willing to invest up to $15 billion of his own money to buy Twitter. Okay. Breaking today, Musk secures $46.5 billion in funding for Twitter bid. Now, granted, Tesla did have a decent quarter, so this might be one of the reasons why Musk was able to get the funding. But it's still, you need Twitter investors, you need to pay attention to this closely. Because what happens next could determine a lot for Twitter stock. Elon Musk on Thursday said that he's lined up $46.5 billion in debt and equity financing to buy the social network company Twitter. And is considered taking his, this, his offer directly to the shareholders a filling with the U.S. regulators showed. Musk himself has committed up to to put up $33.5 billion, which included $21 billion of equity and $12.5 billion of margin loans against some of his Tesla Inc. shares to finance the transaction. He is the chief executive officer of the automotive company Tesla. Musk, the world's richest person, according to a tally by Forbes on April 14th, presented the best and final cash offering of $43 billion to Twitter's board of directors. Musk's latest moves comes after Twitter failed to respond to his offer and adopted a poisonous pill to thwart the billionaire's effort to buy the social media platform. Musk, Twitter's second largest shareholder with a 9.1% stake, has said that he could make big changes at the microblogging company where he has a following of more than 80 million users. 
Shares of Twitter were down less than 1% on the news of the funding indicating that the market is still skeptical about the deal given that Twitter is expected to reject him on price. Shares of Tesla climbed nearly 7% midday trade lifted by the better than expected earnings as the electric car maker. Musk holds about 172.6 million shares in Tesla, the latest regulatory filing shows. On Wednesday, he qualified for the compensation in the form of stock options now worth about $25 billion after Tesla hit a triplet of profit and revenue performance targets. It's unclear whether Musk would sell his stocks in Tesla to cover the $21 billion equity financing. Banks, including Morgan Stanley, have agreed to provide another $13 billion in debt to secure against Twitter itself, according to the filing. A spokesperson for Twitter acknowledged uh, receipt of Musk's proposal. As previously announced and communicated to Mr. Musk directly, the board is committed to conducting a careful, comprehensive, and deliberative review of determining the course of action that that it believes to be the best interest of the company and all Twitter stockholders, the Twitter representative said in the statement. I suspect... It will put pressure on Twitter's board to either find a white knight, which is unlikely, or negotiate with Musk to obtain a higher value and remove the poison pill, said Josh White, an assistant professor of financing at Vanderbilt University for former financing economics, economic, economicist for a Securities and Exchange Commission. Musk, a self-described free speech abolist, has said that the social media company needs to be taken private to grow and become a platform for free speech. This is getting insane with Elon right now. I mean, Elon's determined at this point. And what the board of directors do at Twitter is going to determine a lot. And there's going to potentially be a lot of angry people as well. It goes on, the article goes on to say, the offer from Musk has drawn private equity interest in in participating in the deal for Twitter. Reuters reported, citing people familiar with the matter. Apollo Global Management is considering ways it could provide financing to any deal and is open to working with Musk or any other bidder. While Tomo Bravo, the informer Twitter, and correction, while Tomo Bravo has informed Twitter that is exploring the possibility of putting together a bid. There's no way, and maybe I could be wrong, maybe a bunch of companies get together to outbid Elon, but Elon Musk is pretty determined. In fact, even CNBC's reporting that says Musk to explore potential tender offer for Twitter has $46.5 billion in committed financing for the deal. Like, even CNBC's reporting this like crazy. Whereas in the article that was important to talk about. Oh, here it is. The filing says Musk has received commitments for $46.5 billion to help finance the potential deal. Musk has secured $25.5 billion, which we just talked about. Uh, financing through Morgan Stanley, uh, funding form, and other firms. He said he's committed about $21 billion in equity. The other participating firms are Bank of America, Barclays, MUFG, Society General, uh, Mizahu Bank, and BNP Paribas. Paribas. Musk has yet determined if he will make the tender offer for Twitter or whether or not he will take steps further to propose the filing states. I mean... This deal has got to potentially go down. There are pe- there are companies backing Elon, it looks like. Elon might even be able to put more money into it if he has to, of his own pocket if he has to. Like, Twitter, if I'm a Twitter investor, I'm paying close attention to this. And ironically, I'm not a Twitter investor, but even I'm paying attention to this because the purpose of companies is to make money. That's That's what it is. 
if Elon firmly believes that he could help the company make money, why wouldn't you take a chance on Elon? I mean, he's helped grow Tesla. I mean, I remember looking at Tesla back in 2015 and thinking there's no way this could be wrong. This could work that what Elon was doing. I was wrong. I was completely wrong. Tesla was probably one of the biggest mistakes I have ever made in my investing career. And I'm willing to admit that. Cause I, but also at the same time, I was also young getting into stocks at the time and I didn't completely understand everything and I was still learning. And, and even today I'm still learning, but I've learned Elon, he's a, he's somewhat of a, he's a visionary man. Okay. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You just have to have, have a vision and people who believe in your vision for people to follow you and be able to grow a company. I mean, that's how Steve Jobs was. Steve Jobs was so nitpicky on how everything had to be done for Apple. And this is why Apple is such a successful company now. The board of directors, if they honestly believe that they can take the company in a better direction, I don't believe that because if they had, then Twitter would not be in this situation right now. I've I've read and I've heard and I need to do more digging into Twitter, but I believe Twitter is really not making that much money in general. And if Elon firmly believes he can help a company make money, you got to bet on Elon at the end of the day. The guy is just, he knows what he's doing. And I don't believe 12 people on a board of directors on Twitter are going to have the best interest for Twitter shareholders. They might come to the table because they have to, but I think in the end, this is going to be like when Nelson Peltz and Procter & Gamble are going at it. I have a very, very strong feeling that Elon's going to try to take over almost like Nelson Peltz did, except Nelson Peltz was trying to just get on the board of directors at Procter & Gamble. That's a completely different story. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a shareholder special meeting potentially in the making for Twitter. And that's when shareholders are going to vote to determine if they want to be taken private from Elon or stay as a publicly traded company. I think most people, if they're smart, they're going to want to go with Elon because Elon's going to know what to do with the company. I think Elon already has plans too. And I think at the end of the day, if even if Twitter rejects it, Elon's probably going to form his own his own version of Twitter potentially. But who knows? I think he really just wants to take over Twitter to get things going faster. But I'm not in Elon's mind. I'm not in Elon's circles. I can only speculate because like I said, this is just a podcast for entertainment pur- purposes. So... But keep an eye on Twitter, guys. Twitter's story is not done anytime soon. And this whole thing, I wouldn't be surprised if we get another few more weeks, maybe even months of this whole drama situation. So with that being said today, guys, I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. Um, If you enjoyed today's podcast, I ask that you please like and subscribe and send this uh, podcast to all friends and family. As every like and share that we get and every subscription can help grow this podcast so we can continue talking about news events that are happening in the market at this time. Thank you for listening today, guys. I hope, like I said, I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Thank you and goodbye.